action. Hello and welcome to another episode of Your Average Critics, joined as usual by Obi. How are you? I'm swell. How are you? Swell, yeah. <laughs> Spitting. Um, <laughs> we might be joined by Chris later, um, but for now it's just a two-man pod. Um, we've, we're not really podcast in a while, so I can't even remember the last films we covered, um, but I think we can run through some of the new releases um, and I wanted to start with the Golden Globes, which happened in January, um, which kind of passed us by. <laughs> uh, yeah. there, was no, there was no fanfare uh, about it at all. Um, I think that was because there was uh, boycotting by the industry uh, due to the lack of action to increase the membership diversity. Um, so it wasn't broadcast um, on TV and there was very little coverage of it. So. Mm. Kind of underwhelming. Um, I will run through the winners because, um, as the Golden Globes like to do, they split their categories between drama and musical or comedy as if they're the two overarching genres. Um, it does sometimes cause some controversy. I think The Martian won for best musical or comedy um, <laughs> so that it wasn't up against maybe something like The Revenant which mm. they thought was definitely going to win. So there's a bit of politicking going on. But mm. for best motion picture for drama was The Power of the Dog, um, which is, uh, I think it's a New Zealand um, Western film. So directed by Jane Campion, um, who's an Oscar winner. She, she's from New Zealand. Uh, it's got Benedict Cumberbatch, Kirsten Dunst, Jesse Plemons, and Scott, uh, Cody Smith-McPhee. Um, I watched it. It's on Netflix. It's, kind of flow um is it good i didn't think it was anything to shout home about um right. it's quite long the western mm. setting was cool um there was some like homoeroticism which was interesting um which don't necessarily see that so obviously in western films mm. i put a more detailed review on instagram so you can go and check us out there at your average critics um but yeah i mean it's it's one of those films that when you watch it you're like critics are gonna love it but um your average person like us uh probably gonna be a tad bored mm. but yeah so that was up against belfast june king richard Coda. um musical comedy was won by west side story which i haven't won uh haven't won haven't watched i didn't uh, watch that to be fair what was it like i don't know if i've heard your review of it no, I've completely forgot to talk about it, um, which might be a sign of um, my opinion of, of it, I guess. Um, okay. Uh, I thought it was it was all right. Um, I found the story to be a bit uh, boring. Um, the story being, um, uh, it's like in I want to say like the fifties, maybe the sixties. I'm not sure, um, but basically these uh this gang two rival gangs one is like american or like you know like irish american like they think they're like the indigenous people in america the other one uh, <laughs> <laughs> the other one is like puerto rican i think or latin american at the very at the very least um and they're basically rivaling like the um, the the white americans um, don't want the Latin Americans in their in their territory. They want everything to stay the same because like shops are being bought up and da 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 blah 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 blah. Um, then uh, this girl meets a guy who is 
the, the former head of the this so the girl is Latin. She meets a white man. That man is the former head of like the white gang. But now he's like reformed. He went to prison. He come out and he's like, come on, be a changed man. Da, 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 Chris Brown. <laughs> um, and that's played by Ansel Elgort. That guy. Um, and obviously they like fall in love after like twenty four hours, but whatever. <laughs> it's <laughs> a musical. I know, I know. They fall in love. Obviously, um, the girls. The girl's brother is the head of the, like the head of the other gang, the Latin American gang, um, and obviously he's like, you can't go out with this white boy. Duh, 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 duh. They all clash and they all basically the whole the whole time is like, you know when you're like <laughs> at school, and you're like, yeah, Harvard's in three o'clock. Like <laughs> that was basically the whole film. They were like, yeah, we're gonna fight at X Y at this time at this place, and they were right. like building up, building up, building up towards the fight. Um, do you care if I spoil it? I don't know if you. No. Okay. So. Um, so yeah, I think Tony is now. I think Tony's the main character's name, and Maria is the other woman's name. I think, but Tony is obviously he's like I said, he was reformed. Um, so he goes to the fight to try and stop it, like like allow it kind of thing. Um, this is stupid because obviously he wants to get with the girl and doesn't want there to be any chaos. Um, everyone else is like, nah, fuck this, we want to fight. Um, the head of the Latin American gang, um, <laughs> he. Uh, kills Tony's best friend in the fight and then Tony's like Tony just rages and then kills uh, him the brother oh okay so it's the Jets um, and the Sharks yeah yeah um, so yeah he kills the brother then he obviously work, news spreads that the brother's dead like and uh, the girl finds out that Tony killed her brother and she's not even that mad about it like she cries <laughs> like a, she cried a little bit like a little bit but then she's more she's more angry at him for the fact that he killed someone and he said he wouldn't do that anymore rather than the fact that he killed his brother she he killed her brother right that's how i that's what came across this kind of sounds like when you've described episodes of power like <laughs> like all this like, family like all like families killing families and like <laughs> all that sort of thing it doesn't sound like a musical i don't know well no yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's funny um Power's better than this, but anyway. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, uh, I suppose it is kind of like, it's quite, it's obviously it's quite dramatic. And obviously there is, there are, there is songs and music in between, obviously. I, the music didn't really hit me like that, because I think it's, this music's very more like old school traditional musical. Um, I don't really know how anyone to explain it other than that, to be honest, like quite like slow and a lot of like, like a, I don't want to say ballad because I don't think that's the right word, but a lot of like, um, uh, solo, solo songs, like, and stuff like that. Mm. So not um, like the more modern, like, Linwell Miranda when it's a bit like, bit more R&B, tempo, R&B, yeah, it's not, yeah. Different genres kind of making its way. Yeah, yeah okay. no, it's nothing like that. Um, it's classical, really. Classical, yeah. And I thought, cause, like, cause obviously, cause it's a new version, um, I just assumed that maybe they would put a bit of more of like a updated spin on it. Obviously, they didn't do that. They went to, like, Steven Spielberg directing this, I think. Yeah. Uh, um, so yeah, he just did like the classical thing, which you can't knock it for, obviously. Um, but you know, I, me personally, I would have appreciated uh, something a bit more modern. Um, but yeah, uh, he <laughs> he kills the brother. She gets angry at him. They have sex, whatever. Um, then uh, he goes and hides away and says, "Let's run away together." She's about to run away with him. Um, she goes to um, the place where he's staying. The guys who um, uh, whose buddy just died, like the um, the white guys, um, so Tony's guys, they 
we're basically about to rape her, basically, until one woman come that come out of the come out of the basement and, and saved her. And this woman's like, um, like you like animals, da, 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 da. like I'm almost certain they're about to rape her. I mean, but yeah, they didn't. I'm thankful. Um, and then they tell her that um, Tony's dead um, to get her to to like leave, and then they tell Tony that she's dead um, to get to, like to keep them separated. Then Tony goes out all like distraught, distraught, like into the street, and then he sees her. <laughs> he sees her and uh, they're like oh my god we're going to be together and then uh, the guy who died the brother who died his best friend comes out of the woodwork shoots Tony <laughs> Tony dies oh right <laughs> the Tony dies and then yeah Tony basically dies in Maria's arms and then I think they're about to fight one more time but then they were like for some reason everyone came to their senses and was like, like violence begets more violence da, 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 let's stop this blah 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 and then they carry Tony on their shoulders as if like it's like, you know, like a, a, a like a funeral car, like a funeral casket, like a cut or a casket, like mm-hmm. on their shoulders. They carried him like that back towards where he was staying, and then the film ends. Um, yeah, it sounds very boring. But... I was bored. I felt I almost fell asleep. I won't lie. Um, All right. Uh, but yeah, it, yeah, that's that's that really. Like it's got rave reviews though. It really does, and I think it must do from people who were maybe I reckon people who are fans of the original, maybe. Okay. Um, and they thought maybe oh this is a really well done remake kind of thing me I didn't obviously I haven't seen the original so I can't uh, give any input on that and I'm a musical I like musicals I'm a musical guy but maybe just not this uh, this flavour of musical maybe it isn't for me maybe I'm, I'm more of like a let's see if you agree with some of the um, the, the reviews from, from professional critics so uh, from Empire Magazine, five stars. Heartfelt and heartbreaking, this feels like Spielberg has made an adaptation faithful to its roots, but always alive to the modern world. The playlist, West Side Story, moves like a freight train. It's 156 minutes passing in barely a breath at breakneck pace, combined with expressionist aesthetic and candy-coloured imagery. Reminds us that blockbusters don't have to be grayscale dreck. I don't agree with that second one at all. Wow. Yeah, I mean, I mean, the Golden Globes loved it. Not that, yeah. you know, it, it was that's an indication of anything because Rachel Ziegler won for Best Actress mm. uh, in a musical comedy um, and there was also a win for Ariana DeBose I don't know how to pronounce her name, sorry for A West Side Story as Anita so Best Supporting Actress mm. so yeah, I mean I we'll see, I'm sure I'm sure if uh, the you know when the Oscars come round um, it might be nominated but I've been debating going to see it, but there's been quite a few long films in the cinema recently, and they're not all hit, so... Yeah. Time is precious. Yeah. It is, and I don't want to spend my time watching films that are boring. Um, but I'll just run through some of the other wins. So, Best Actor uh, for Drama was Will Smith for King Richard. Um, for a musical comedy was Andrew Garfield for Tick, Tick, Boom. Um, Nicole Kidman won Best Actress for Drama for Being the Ricardos. And Cody Schmidt-McPhee won Best Supporting Actor for Power of the Dog. Jane Campion, Best Director for the same film. And Kenneth Branagh won Best Screenplay for Belfast. So that's enough of the Golden Globes. Um, do you have any film news for us? Uh, no. <laughs> it's, all, it's all kind of quiet. I mean, yeah. we're, we're beginning of February and I've not really heard much you know, in the Twitter sphere, in you know, just online, there seems to just everything's died down. I don't know. Yeah. I thought we'd, we'd, you know, maybe we get some 
Marvel announcements or something like that. I don't know, you know. Yeah, no, nothing. I can't see. I'm literally looking through now. I can't see anything interesting. Anyway, oh, Jason Momoa's going to be in Fast Furious 10. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Fine. Which I'll I'll watch, to be fair, but I I guarantee he's going to be like The Rock's brother or something, or The Rock's cousin or something. Yeah, yeah. I mean, if him, Vin Diesel and... uh, Who's the other bloke? John Cena mm. are somehow related. Then I want to see the parents. But um, yeah. cool. Well, we will move on to uh, recent releases then. Um, I know that we both watched Belfast, uh, which is a semi-autobiographical dramedy from Kenneth Branagh, um, set in Northern Ireland during the sixties. I want to say late sixties, nineteen sixty-nine. Yes. Uh, just just about um so this film is mostly in black and white which is uh you know works well uh particularly in my opinion when they show the flashes of color kind of like through the glasses or when it's on tv and stuff um, mm. i think it's a really interesting aesthetic choice um but yeah so essentially it follows uh a little boy called buddy uh about nine Ooh, yeah. <laughs> um, during the troubles in Belfast, so there's like kind of like uh, update your computer. Sorry. Uh, <laughs> there's kind of like um, religious tension between the Catholics and the Protestants, um, and the you know is that the local Catholics being intimidated by some of the Protestants, and, and they don't want them on their street anymore. Um, it's kind of like a very closed setting, mostly set on just that one street where where he grew up and. Um, we're kind of seeing this through Buddy's eyes and navigating kind of why this is happening. He sort of talks to his cousin about what what do we do when we see a Catholic and how can you tell a Catholic? And, you know, it's, it's, there's kind of that, like, naivety which gives it a kind of innocent kind of comedy, I guess. Um, but there are some like, kind of stronger moments when, when there's uh, the sectarian um, violence. Um mm. And like looting and stuff like that, but it's mm. it's mostly like a family drama set in the backdrop. You've got the father who goes to England to earn money and is away for a couple of weeks at a time. Um, but they, as kind of Catholic uh, supporting Protestants, if that makes sense. They're sympathetic to to Catholics. Um, they they don't feel comfortable in their own home and, and talk about leaving um, to England or Australia or somewhere. Um, and yeah, it's 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 just quite a sweet film really i didn't really know what to expect um the the trailer kind of suggests it's going to be more of like a war or political type film but it isn't really it's just got that backdrop and uh i think there's some really strong performances throughout um mm. jude hill was buddies is very sweet and um yeah he he delivers quite a few comic lines um jamie dornan was good um Katarina Balfa as the mother as well. Judy Dench's accent was a bit, uh, <laughs> uh, but hey ho, we can forgive her for that. Um, I like Kieran Hines as the grandfather. Um, so yeah, overall, I just thought I really enjoyed it. Um, kind of knowing that at least some of it, it was experienced by Kenneth Branagh, and at the end of this film, they go to England, and he sort of grew up in England. Um, and as far as I know, doesn't have a Northern Irish accent anymore. Um, or maybe that's just acting. Um, but yeah, like there was there was good use of music, like when they have that kind of sing song um, 
Everlasting Love. That was a cool moment. Yeah, I just I just enjoyed it. Um, what did you think of it? Um, yeah, similar to you, I I enjoyed it much more than I expected to. Um, I don't really know anything about uh, the Irish uh, war between the Catholics and the the Protestants, so it was interesting, kind of just like getting a, a, an eye into like what kind of went on at that time and like what people were faced with and what they were going through at that time even kind of like the way the kids kind of like the film starts like the kids just playing the street everyone's chilling like community and then all of a sudden bang like explosions bottles flying everywhere and then like it's mad how like everything could just change in an instant and Mm -hmm. like people were just kind of like using using like religion as a way to kind of like hate like just kind of trying to destroy other people and hating other people people that aren't really doing anything to you or kind of harming you in any way you want that out of your neighborhood for no reason um so yeah, it was interesting to kind of like experience that like through the eyes of uh buddy i guess um in general i like the way the film is i don't know if it's edited or the way it's shot because it kind of feels like you know when like as an adult you're having well, I say, you know, I don't have kids, so I wouldn't know. But, like, yeah, as an adult, you have conversations and you have them around your children and your children are there and they're probably listening, but, like, you just don't pay any mind because you don't think that they're listening because, obviously, they're children. You think they're just off in their own world, doing whatever. And I feel like the way the film was framed was a lot of the time, like, Buddy was just there whilst the parents, like, playing or whatever, whilst the parents were talking about, like, some really serious stuff. Um, and it was interesting how, like, getting that from that perspective because, like, children hear and know more than you think they do yes um, people, people just presume that they don't understand but even if they don't necessarily fully understand they still can repeat things don't they yeah exactly and even like so yeah you can even leave that to um the boy, uh, buddy's cousin who was talking all the nonsense about uh what's his face about catholics and like all the names and shit and like they don't even know how to like she thought she knew she probably heard that from an adult and she thought she knew like what she was talking about but then and even like when he was saying about, um, oh yeah, if someone comes up to you and asks you if you're a Catholic, do you, like you have to say you're a, what was it? You have to say you're um, a Catholic. Is that well? I'm not a Catholic. I'm a Protestant. Yeah, but you say you're a Protestant, they're gonna think you're gonna, they're gonna think you're a Catholic, <laughs> saying you're a Protestant and, and all that stupid <laughs> shit. That that's made me laugh so much. It was so dumb. Um, but yeah, no, in general, I really enjoyed it. I think the, I think it's really well acted, like well round. I think there wasn't really any obviously accent accent aside, there wasn't really any weak spots. Like I really enjoyed. Especially, I really enjoyed the um, the Judy Dench and um, Kieran Hines, and how they interacted with with um, with uh, with Buddy. And I think that like it must be quite encouraging for excuse me for a young actor like Jude Hill to be like surrounded by such a strong such a strong like supporting cast, and it probably helped to elevate his performance as well. Yeah, I mean he's he came across quite natural i mean that might be because you know he's he's not like a seasoned actor and, mm. and maybe that was to the benefit you know he none of it seemed forced necessarily mm. or like he was overacting he just kind of seemed like he was you know living his best life and it it really did seem like a love letter to that city and that time mm. even mm. though there was quite a lot of troubles like kenneth branagh clearly looked upon that time quite fondly and the people mm. there um and the sense of community so it was it was yeah it was quite nice to see um i was gonna say as well um sorry to cut you off um i really liked the um 
like the way they captured that like, community and that like, like community spirit in the, at that time, um, which I imagine was similar like with a lot of like small towns or small places. Like everyone knows everyone. Like people will look after your kids for you. Like everyone plays out with everyone, kind of thing. Compared to obviously like now, when yeah. that's not really the case. Like everyone's on there, like playing Xbox and that. So um, I just really enjoyed the way they captured that. Um, and like I was saying, like that's that was the reason why. Because at first I was thinking like all this madness is going on. Like they're this the family. They're behind on their taxes or whatever. Like why wouldn't you just leave? But then, obviously, there is that aspect of, like, actually, I know everyone here. Everyone knows me. Everyone here looks out for each other. So there is that aspect of, that's why. And that might be the case for even, not just Irish people, like, people all over the world, why you might not want to, yeah. you know, leave your current surroundings and, like, you know, branch out because you're so comfortable in the settings that you're in and you think that, like, you're not going to get that. You're not going to get that anywhere else. But then, obviously, you won't know until you go and do that and move out and then you like, then you put down roots there and kind of try to, I kind of wanted there to be some sort of epilogue mm. or or like, you know, photos of, of him and his parents, because presumably this is based on that. And I wanted to know, like, what happened to Granny? Because she's the only one left. Like, her husband yeah. just died and they fucked off to England, which mm. isn't far. But, you know, back in the late 60s with, you know, the cost of flying and things like that or having to get a boat, you know, I just would have liked to know, like, I don't know, just for my own closure, like, oh, you know, Granny was happy in Northern Ireland until she passed at this day and, you know, blah, blah, blah. But, I mean, that, yeah. that's just a very, very minor point and it's not to the detriment of the film. I was just, you know, when you see kind of films about real events, you, you, you're kind of conditioned now to expect a kind of a little bit of text at the end. Mm. Uh, but, yeah, I'm sure it will do well in the uh, awards, uh, the major awards. And... Um, I wonder how it will compare to Kenneth Branagh's next directorial effort, which is mm, Murder on the Nile? No. Something like that. Yeah, Murder on the Nile. Yeah. Is sure what's called that? Death on the Nile. Oh. Oh, no, Murder on the Orient Express. Is yeah, that's one. it. Yeah. Death on the Nile, which comes out in a couple of weeks. So, uh, yeah, very different film. That film, I swear that film's got bare people in it who are a bit iffy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, um, what's his face? Um... Who's the guy in it? He's um, Army Ar- Hammer. Hammer, yeah. Yeah, he's not in the trailer much, is he? Yeah. Those wild things that people say about... Mm-hmm. Yeah, we won't repeat those. Cause... <laughs> <laughs> anyway, that'll be a fun film to watch. Um, I didn't really think that much of Murder on the Orient Express, to be honest. Uh, yeah, I was a bit disappointed as well. I thought it should have been better than it was. <laughs> the killer is everybody. Yeah. Right. Everyone had a shank. Fine. Um, moving on to one of the other uh, winners of Golden Globes and also a musical. This might be more up your street, Ob. Have you seen Tick Tick Boom? Um, full disclosure, I've only watched I've watched half of it. Okay, well we will park that then until you've finished it. Are you enjoying it so far? Um, do you know what? I'm enjoying very much um, the characters, the actors, Andrew Garfield especially. Um, I'm not loving the songs. Okay. I'm not loving the songs. I won't lie. I feel like because obviously I think the way they're played is that like obviously um Jonathan Jonathan Larson is that his name? Mm-hmm. He like even says in the film that like he just thinks of thinks up of songs uh, at the top of his head like on a whim just to prove that he can and to keep his brain like ticking over kind of thing. And that's how the songs feel. Um, so like they don't really feel the songs. I just if they this 
if this is how they planned it, then they've done a good job because the songs don't feel written. They feel like they are thought up on the spot. <laughs> which, I yeah. think is, which I guess is the idea, but I don't, uh, I don't love it. I won't lie to you. They, were, they, are, they, they are songs that were written by Jonathan yeah. Larson. Yeah, because uh, yeah, I thought it was going to be like Lin-Manuel Miranda songs, but mm. I, don't, I don't think most of them are. Um, I actually enjoyed it a lot more than I thought I would. Um, I didn't actually realise it was going to be a full-on, like, as musical as it was. Mm. I thought it was a film about a musician, if that makes sense. But, yeah, um, yeah I enjoyed it. And, and I think a large part of that was Andrew Garfield being in No Way Home. <laughs> I was like, I love oh, Andrew yeah. Garfield right now. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, that, that definitely fed in. I do really like Andrew Garfield. I think he's a really good actor. Yeah, I feel like I've not seen him in, like, tons, aside from Spider-Man. I mean, he was in that film Breathe a few years ago, but... Axel Ridge as well. Oh, yeah, that's obviously a good film. Um, I want to talk about Licorice Pizza. Okay, go for it. Uh, A very rare zero out of ten. Do you know how much I was laughing when I saw that zero out of ten? No... Because we have seen, we have seen collectively between the three of us, we have seen some Dross. awful, awful films. Yeah, and I, I don't think I've ever heard you give a film a zero out of ten. <laughs> <laughs> I was, I was seeing <laughs> kids, them two kids at the fucking motel. What was that film called? That was um, Florida Project. But that, I, mean, I don't think I don't think Glenn watched that. I never that saw that. That might be a zero out of ten. I'm not gonna lie. <laughs> Hello, Chris. You're right. Mate, I've been here for fucking ages, Glenn. You're so rude. Have you? I'm sorry. No, I'm joking. Well, I've been there for ages, but you're not rich. Um, yeah, I'm all right. Thanks, mate. How are you? I'm good. So have we discussed anything that you've seen and you wanted to comment on? No, I would have, I would have piped up. I haven't seen okay. Tick, Tick, Boom, and I don't even know the other films you were talking about. No worries. Well, yeah, I think I gave Licorice Pizza a zero for kind of dramatic effect, for the most part. Um, and to be honest, I seem to be one of the only people that has an issue with the issue I have with it, mm. which... I find very strange. Um, so essentially, this is uh, Paul Thomas Anderson's most recent effort. He's done films such as uh, Boogie Nights, There Will Be Blood, um, The Master and uh, Phantom Thread, uh, that, the latter of which won Oscars. Um, this is set in the 70s. It's like a coming of age film um, starring famous offspring, essentially famous relatives, a lot of the people in this you'll recognise their surnames but <laughs> probably not the, the actor mm. uh, so you've got Leonardo DiCaprio's dad and you've oh, got uh, yeah, uh, and you've got um, Philip Seymour Hoffman's son who plays the main character Gary Valentine um, it's also got the entire family of Haim who are a, uh, a band, um, Alana Haim plays Alana in the film um, so yeah I mean this film starts off with a bunch of 10th graders-ish, they're 15, um, for their high school picture. And uh, Gary, who's very confident, notices one of the assistants who's like helping with the photography, um, Alana, and basically starts flirting with her. Um, he's like, what do you make you for dinner? I'll take you out. And she's like, mm, you're 15. No. Mm. Um, but then it's like, do you know what? I'll go for dinner. And uh, then they start to form this bond. And it, throughout the course of the film, it's very much like 
friendly but more than friendly but they don't ever do anything until the end and and but for me i was like what the fuck yeah <laughs> it instantly put me back i was like you're making a film about a 15 year old boy mm-hmm. um it's, it's played by an actor who's 18 or so but that's still not the point um and a 25 year old woman who is kind of like enjoying the um attention she's getting and then at points when he starts to you know talk to people his own age she kind of gets a bit jealous and there's points where she's like saying to her sisters oh is it weird that i hang around with gary and his 15 year old mates i think it is isn't it and they're like oh do what you want girl and and then she starts like kind of pursuing him a bit more as well and i mean in amongst this like Gary's very entrepreneurial and capitalises on like things that are popular at the time, like waterbeds and pinball machines, and makes money. and And that kind of side of it, I, I can imagine someone would be entertained by. But I don't know. I just found it very perverse, very noncy. And if the genders were flipped, I can imagine this film would be flated. Um, I agree. So I don't really know why there's not more pushback. And fundamentally, that's why I, I found it really odd film. And there's cameos um, by Bradley Cooper and Sean Penn, which kind of just there to be like, hey, look at what I've got in, in this film. Um, and they actually play people who are kind of like real people from the 70s. But mm. there isn't really any reason why they're in there other than the kind of show factor. Like, hey, look, we've got the shiny person. Um so yeah, I mean, fundamentally, I just find it very, very odd. Um, and also, there is a character who is an older white man who has um, a Japanese wife, um, and he owns a Japanese restaurant. And when Gary is trying to sell him waterbeds or pinball machines, he translates to his Japanese wife by talking English in an incredibly (laughs) offensive Japanese accent. And at the end of the film, he actually says, I actually don't know how to speak Japanese. And I was just like, there wasn't, if you include something like that in the modern day, you have to show it as being wrong. When the film set? Sorry. 1970-something. Okay. Might be. Bit, it, I feel like that's like more. Of, they're showing like a sign of the times, I guess. But like you said, if they're not showing it to be wrong, then yeah. I mean, mate, this sounds like a stinker of a film, man. This sounds like an absolute stinker. Yeah, I mean, it was just horrible in so many ways. I think, like, yeah, if you if you want to show, so you've got like. So, are you, so wait, you know the obviously the perverse part. Obviously, that's wrong. But are you saying that because they're not showing it's morally wrong? That that's why you think the film should be slated more. But you say no. no film should even have the I have the that notion of perversion. Well, so my comment about them not them not showing it as wrong was more about the actual um, racial overtones of of the man talking. You know. Oh right. Okay. But yeah, you're right. There's there's no there are acknowledgements that it's weird for a 25 year old to pursue a 15 year old. Mm. Um, but, you know, there are films where there are weird age gaps. Um, some of them from, you know, further in the past and, and people rightly say that that's a bit weird. So like Taxi Driver, 
um, and Leon, the professional. Um, Sorry. But I think, yeah, they can't, by, by having this character played by John Michael Higgins just kind of essentially just racially abuse his wife for no reason, um, that, that, yes, that might have happened in the 70s and probably still happens now, but you're not showing it as wrong. You're showing it as, so they're using it for comedy, essentially, which is not kind of necessarily showing it as something you shouldn't do. And I think in, as for a film in 2022, is is not right you should you know there's there are episodes of like looney tunes that come with a a warning beforehand saying this features outdated stereotypes and Mm. language which is great Mm. because you know they're still showing the episode but they're like hey at the time it was wrong but they didn't you know they still included it and Mm. now we're even more aware of the impact it can have but Mm. yeah so i mean i was just put off by quite a lot of this film um and it just kind of meanders it's not really about anything um, how long but, is it uh it's about two hours ten okay. raw you stayed for two hours ten of this honestly i felt like walking out but i kind of hoped it would have you ever walked out of a film no i don't think so no i never have either um and i've got darling but critics love it mm. And I, I've seen very little reference to the age gap or the the comments that, that the the kind of Japanese accent that this man puts on. So yeah, I mean, I, I really don't know why people love it so much, and, and I fucking hated it to be honest um, for yeah. those reasons. Um, but I, I saw the trailer and I thought it was terrible. I thought it looked terrible. Yeah. I, need to, I need to see like a picture of this because I honestly, what's it called? Licorice pizza. And also, there's no reason why it's called licorice pizza. Mm. At all. That, that annoys me. Stuff like that really annoys me. So is, it, <laughs> then, is someone not eating licorice or, or like having a pizza or anything? No, nothing like that. Um, but, yes. But There Will Be Blood, which is a Paul Tom Sanderson film, is a lot better. So watch that instead. Why but, is it um, licorice pizza? The movie takes its name from the 1970s record chain. Well, that wasn't apparent to me. Oh. But yeah. I also realised I probably misspelled licorice. I thought it had a Q in it. It does, doesn't it? No, it doesn't. It's L-I-C-O-R-I-C-E. Oh, Unless sure. that's just an American spelling. But yeah, do not watch licorice pizza. Um, anyway, what have you two been watching? Um, I... What have I been watching? I haven't really been watching anything. I've been watching Power. Um, You're re-watching Power? No, I've been watching Power. Is that um, a new series? There's a new, yeah, the new, the new series. Um, oh, 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 what book? Of, what the book of Power? Um, Power book two, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Right. That's what threw me off. Yeah. Um. The other one. Yeah. Uh, and to be fair, sorry, I just I'm not going to talk about it for very long because I know you two and probably must don't really care. Um, this show has like I think it's probably like one of the biggest jumps from season one to season two of a show that I've watched in like ages in terms of like the quality of writing um because I think I don't know if you guys remember like when talking when I was talking about power but like things in power would just happen (laughs) and like without any like narrative towards it and it like you'd be like what that makes no sense um and that happened a lot in the first season of power book two um which (laughs) is about uh, the main character ghost's son um 
But I think in this season two now, I think they've they've leaned in a lot into like the silliness of it and like the the uh, soap opera like aspect of it. So it's a bit more dramatic, but also I think it's definitely written a lot better and storylines actually make more sense. So it's actually one of the few shows now that I actually look forward to watching when it's when it comes out on a Sunday or Monday. Um, okay. So yeah, just wanted to say that. Been enjoying that. That's Is it still still about Ghost Sun? Yeah, yeah. I think it's forever going to be about Ghost Sun, that one, isn't it? Because they've got a separate spin-off based on Tommy, don't they? Yeah, that's coming out this week, I believe. Which is one I, I, I'd like to watch, actually. I think that would be quite interesting. Actually, yeah. I'll probably watch Book of Power 2 when, when I get the time. Is it on Netflix? Uh, no, it's on um, stars. the s- Stars, yeah. Well, so you can, which you can get through Amazon, but you've got to pay like a fiver. Well, <laughs> I get that. Yeah. All these extras. Yeah. What have you been watching, Chris? I literally am trying to think. I've been oh, watching quickly. Sorry, 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 Chris. I'm just going to you really quickly. Um, have have you been watching Titans season three? Uh, uh, I've got to. Oh, sugar! Did I, never... did I not finish it? I watched like two episodes. No, I, f- I finished it. Yeah, I finished it. I finished it. This. Uh, what do you think of it? It's all right. It has its good moments. Um... But I think overall, like beginning, I like the idea of the story, but I don't think it's fully executed very well. Mm. And I think the ending is too. But it has been. Uh, how do I put this? The ending's too um, conclusive. Like okay. they, I feel like they. Have you watched it? I haven't. No, I'm on episode I think seven maybe. Uh-huh. But it's a fucking slog, man. <laughs> yeah, it's, it is a bit of a slog. I feel like I. I think they need more villains. I think they need more villains in it. They they need they need the main villain, and then they need a lot of little mini villains on the way, and they don't have that. I think there's too many characters, and you're still trying to develop too many character arcs. Mm. Mm. Um, so wait, what have you got up to in your on your episode? Because I don't want to say anything that you haven't seen. But I, I do think it's, the problem I think with this as well is though it is a, it is quite predictable. Yeah. Um, I thought I sh- well, I think Hank's the thing with Hank happens in episode three or four, doesn't it? So you must have. Yeah. I think that's I think that's a bit shit that he's that he's gone, but he's obviously gone for the reasons of he's now going to be playing Jack Reacher in another series. So yeah, I don't mind them killing off characters, or taking away characters because the cast is massive. Um, but also, I think you have to have a good reason for those characters to leave. Like I like it doesn't make sense for me. Obviously, Dawn comes to fight Crumb, whatever. Hank dies, and then Dawn says, "Okay, I'm leaving now." But yeah. he died as a result of crime. So why wouldn't you stay in? Yeah. Well, didn't um, is it Diana that died? Super Wonder Girl or whatever yeah. her name was. That was a shocking thing, wasn't it? That was a sh- not shocking as in like, oh my god, but as in like a terrible way to die. Yeah. Like didn't like a lamp post just like slowly fall on her and electrocute her. Yeah, basically. Yeah, yeah which was yeah. ridiculous. And then even so, like a demigod, didn't she? Or she like half a yeah. demigod? Yeah. Yeah. And like with that as well, like Raven at the end of that season, Raven goes to. To uh, Themyscira. Oh, you have seen this part, okay. Right. For some, for some, for some reason. No, I haven't seen. So I'm talking about the end of season two, so oh. I know she appears at some point. But like, for that reason, like they sideline her for the whole of, for the, at least for like half of season three, which I understand because, like you said, the cost is massive. But also, like, she's like one of the main in like from like comics and stuff. She's like one of the main members of Titans, and she's not in half the season. I just think it's a bit I, yeah. stupid. I, I, I think the saddest part about this series is the fact that I actually think the casting they've done has been sublime. Like, mm. for like 
like for like of what I imagine these characters to look like. They pretty much hit it. Mm. Um, and the fact that they retcon so many characters, not retcon, that's the wrong word, but like they bring in so many different characters is like for a comic book person, that's really like, like wicked. Like, mm. see this character, see this character. I think they, the only character they didn't really hit the nail on the head with was Carson of Batman. Um, oh, that was terrible. But, but then I'm also thinking maybe they did that on purpose in order to not show so much limelight on him and it's more focused on the Titans. But maybe. I don't know. They, they did a, they had a bit of a doozy with that one. And the fact, and, and his attitude in it is, is so stinks, bro. It's just like. What, Dick Grayson? No, no, no. No, Batman. Oh, Batman. Oh, right. It's shit like Batman. And it's like, um, Oh fuck! I forgot what I was going to say. I feel yeah. like with with sorry with this series, like we're on. I've I'm only like two episodes into season three, right? And I don't know tons about DC, but I feel like they're worried that they're not going to get enough series out of this, so they have to fill like use all the characters before they mm. don't get a chance. Because like season two, you introduced um, Wonder Girl, then you have Superboy, who has absolutely no personality whatsoever. Um, then you introduced Batman, and then now you're introducing um, Red Hood and uh, Barbara Gordon, and it's just like whoa! Like like you said, there's absolutely no space for any of these characters to develop. Be- and yeah. the combat, the combat's shocking because all they do is just turn up and go stop, and then that's yeah. it. And, and I'm just like, this is so boring. The Red Hood, the, sorry, Chris, quickly, the Red Hood storyline as well, I think, is pretty terrible. The way they've done it, because like. They did everything so quickly. Two episodes in, they're like, haha, it's him. And obviously, yeah. if you know the comics, you know that it's, it's Jason Todd. But yeah. there was no tension at all. It was like, you see episode one, him die. And, yeah. and then episode two, I think it's episode two, because I'm pretty sure I've only seen two. He's Red Hood. And you're like, oh, yeah. okay. And then they had, was it the Riddler? Was, that the Rid- was it the Riddler in, uh, in prison? Scarecrow. Scarecrow. Scarecrow, that's it. I was just like, whoa, <laughs> just throwing all these characters in. It's like yeah. fucking Endgame. Well, uh, the problem I've got with it is, like, so that, like, the storyline of the Red Hood was just shit. Like, they could have done mm. so much better with that, even if they made a different character become Red Hood, just to spice it up a bit. I don't particularly think the actor who is, actually, I said all these actors are really good, but I don't think the actor who played Robin was ready to take on the role of acting as Red Hood. And I agree. I don't think they kept the storyline of Red Hood long enough. I think they jumped into it way too fast. Um, Superboy, I get what you're saying with his like deadpan expression, but that he is like a clone that come out of um, like doesn't make good TV though. Not no. live action. Anyway. I don't think I don't think he's super deadpan. I just think his personality is just very blah. Oh yeah, um, it's true. And I think yeah, and this is what I wanted to say before. Like the issue with this series. And it will forever be an issue unless they do a concrete storyline. Is obviously the first season actually was meant to expand into the second season a little bit, wasn't it? And they cut the story short, and we could have got maybe potentially a better storyline out of them mm. because they cut it yeah. short, finished it in season two, to then jump into season two storyline. And it saddens me that I can't even remember who the villain in season two was. Um, uh, Deathstroke, Deadstroke, Deadpool. <laughs> what of them? Uh, yeah. Did- but this is what I mean, like, it's a, it's a forgettable, like, the characters aren't necessarily forgettable, but the storylines are, and that can speak volumes about the show. I'm I'm going to call a spade a spade, I think this is a bad TV show, <laughs> and I don't, I'm actually not sure why I'm still watching it, to be honest. 
I'm just how long these things too long. Yeah. I, I feel I'm just hoping it'll get better. Yeah, I think that's where I'm at, Chris. It, it's too it's it's too like like dark and mysterious still. Like they need to like make it a smidge more upbeat. I feel mm. like you're really like making people like really have to put loads of effort into watching. Like you should put effort into watching something, but like you need to pull me in. For me to then want to go, yeah, I really want to invest some time to watch this. Mm. But at the moment, it's like a background series for me. That mm. I'm just like, I could probably catch up what's happening in the next episode because there's not really a lot going on. Yeah, I think the show, yeah, I agree, and I think the show is poorly written as well. To be honest, like in terms of story narrative and also some dialogue, some of the dialogue I think is terrible. Or maybe it's just the delivery. I'm not sure, but I think when know. they when they run out of actual dialogue, they're like, let's just put a few swear words in there. Yeah, literally. Literally, yeah. that, that me as well. But, yeah, I mean, I'm not going to continue it until you guys say, oh, actually, season four is really good and blah, blah, mm. blah. So, yeah. I feel, um, I feel like as a, as a DC series goes, it's probably one of the poorer ones. Absolutely. Like, at least with, like, Legends of the Tomorrow, we knew it was silly and we liked a few seasons. Uh, and then you obviously got the whole Arrowverse, which obviously has its good, seri- good uh, seasons and bad seasons throughout every character in it um yeah are those cw shows still going because we like this is we're like around five years into our podcasting and the first few years we were getting like weekly updates from you guys (laughs) about like flash and cw and whatever it is supergirl stopped doesn't it flash is finished yeah it's flashed on season eight yep arrow finished on season seven eight i think eight uh legends is still going season six yep uh, Black Lightning stops in season three. Season four. Four. Oh wow, maybe I missed one then. Uh, what else we got? We got. So Star- even sorry, quickly, even Black Lightning. Yeah, and I was like, Black Lightning is like Black. <laughs> Black Lightning is one of the most one of the worst written shows I've ever watched. Ever. <laughs> and like, I obviously you know I want to stand it because you know black people and that obviously. Yeah. But I was watching it and I it, it comes to net. I was watching it like a uh, uh, different method, and I was like, Joe, you know fuck this, come on, and I wait for it to come to Netflix comes to Netflix and I started watching it I think I was on episode 4 and I said you know what I just can't do this to myself anymore like my time is too wow. precious my time is wow. too precious I can't it, be bothered uh, they changed up the story making and I think they focused too much on the girls rather than him everything about it everything about uh, it I'm trying to think what other series there Stargirl I haven't seen season 2 but I can't imagine that's going to be too great Batwoman Stargirl season 1 was that Batwoman with Ruby Rose yeah, uh, I haven't seen any of the Batwoman. Batwoman's bit. She's not. She's not Batwoman anymore. They recast her. Somewhere else. Um, but yeah, nice. Batwoman's oh. not great. But it's not terrible. It's not as terrible as. But people make out that it's like the worst show ever to grace TV screens. But it's not that. <laughs> I really liked Swamp Thing. I really. It's a shame about Swamp Thing because I actually really liked it. It was. It was. It's a. I think some people won't like it and they'll think it's a real long like watch. But I actually really enjoyed it. Mm. Um. Oh, by the way, Glenn, just let you know, you did spell Licorice right. That's the American way the other way. Just, oh, OK. Um, I think what other DC series there are. Obviously, the one that I'm really liking at the moment is Peacemaker. I think that's actually quality. Oh, yeah, Peacemaker. Yeah, do you want to talk about Peacemaker first? Yeah, I don't know if I've watched the most recent episode. I'm trying to think. There's mm. five out at the minute, I think. I think six one comes out today, technically, but... OK, well, I've not heard of, think any, watched... of the, any of the series, so give us a rundown of the first five episodes. Um, cool. So yeah, so it's set, um, uh, I think three, maybe four months after the suicide, after the events of the Suicide Squad film. Um, Peacemaker's in hospital. Obviously, 
he thinks that obviously he's a criminal, so he should be going back to prison. But he thinks that he's like escaped, like his his like prison sentence. So he's like running out of the hospital kind of thing. Um, he then gets found by um, some agents um, who basically say to him, "We need you to join our task force because we need to do something." But they don't say what they need him to do. He they say it's either this or you go back to prison. He says, "Okay, fine." So he goes and joins them to do their thing. Um, basically, they are um, a task force put together by Amanda Waller. Um, to eliminate these things called butterflies, um, and butterflies are like these like alien, like basically aliens, like butterfly type things that um, have invaded like loads of people's like brains on Earth kind of thing. And as far as we know so far, I think the gist of it is that they're trying to stop the butterflies from uh, from taking over, not taking over the world, but like they're trying to find out the origin of the butterflies and like find out what they're what they're what they're here for kind of thing um on the side of that um john cena goes back to john cena peacemaker goes back to um to see his dad his dad is like the biggest white supremacist you'll ever see in, oh, in right. yeah like ever um it's, it's, mad. it's crazy yeah. is mad. and it's funny seeing how like peacemaker was raised um because like he's obviously in his mind he's like a superhero but in reality because he was probably his mind probably been warped by his dad um, to thinking what he's doing is good, but he's probably actually like a supervillain. Um, and he actually made a really funny point, which I feel like fair people have said about um, Batman. So his dad's next door neighbor says to him, "Oh, you're a supervillain." Like he's like, "You're not like Batman," and he's like, "Fuck Batman, Batman's a pussy." <laughs> <laughs> he's like, "Yeah, Batman doesn't kill people, you kill people." And he's like, "Yeah." Um, imagine the amount of people who um, who have been indirectly been killed because Batman's not willing to do the right thing. And, Put take some of these people off the streets rather than putting them into into um, insane asylum and letting them escape again and kill kill more people. Like he doesn't actually do what's needs to be done and kills people, which was played for comedy. But actually, I was like, yeah, I actually agree. Um, <laughs> yeah, in terms of the comic book world, that, that probably hits the nail on the head, really, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah, and like I think it's very it's this series is very James Gunn. Like it's so so James Gunn, and I think then you might like it. There's like a character. Okay. That I think he just throws like a million jokes at the wall and hopes that half of them land. <laughs> and like, yeah. you do laugh at some of them, but some of them you're like, okay, this is going on a bit long and you're still like doing it. And that's encapsulated in like the surrounding, the supporting cast who are, who are very much like, uh, playing, they're all playing like straight men to peacemakers, like, um, funny kind of like offbeat character kind of thing. And they're yeah. all they're all very much like oh what the fuck is wrong with this guy kind of thing, um, but eventually well five episodes in they are kind of like all forming like a kind of bond which is interesting to see, and there's also this character called Vigilante um, he's, who, jo- he's <laughs> very jokes he's bare <laughs> jokes like, he's a massive psychopath but yeah he's bare fucking jokes. hell is he yeah fuck okay. me. yeah <laughs> that sounds all right actually then yeah do you know what Glenn I think you would enjoy it. Okay. Yeah, I think I think you would just wait. Did well, I ask you a question? Did you like Suicide Squad too? Yeah, I did, yeah. and I liked I liked Peacemaker's character as well. I actually I, I actually quite like John Cena in those comedic roles. I think he does them very well. Yeah, he's done he's done super he's done really well actually. Yeah. Considering no one can see him, you're an idiot. Oh, fuck. <laughs> <laughs> to be fair as well. <laughs> they actually give um, him a couple of emotional well in the first episode they give him a couple of emotional moments as well which actually hit hard because of like all the jokiness that precedes it 
So I think there's a couple of scenes, there's a couple of things like about his brother who kind of like, um, who like died in a mysterious way, but we don't really like properly know what happened yet. So yeah, I think it's, it's a good, it's a good show. I think. Yeah. They're only decent juicy cameos. Well, did you know the blonde lady? Uh, maybe I'm wrong here. Is James Gunn's wife? Yeah, no, she is, yeah. Or a partner at the very least. Because um, loads of people, I, I saw there's someone complaining online. It's, what is it when someone. Nepotism. Nepotism, yeah. Oh, come on. That happens in Hollywood all the fucking time. Yeah, in it. Um, but I'm I think. Not, that, I don't particularly care. So I didn't bother no, about I don't give a shit. She's, I think she's. I like her character. Um, yeah. And she's going to be in Black Adam as well. Um, yeah. Oh, yeah. But have there been any cameos? I mean, Amanda Wal- Viola Davis shows up for like 30 seconds in the first episode on, on yeah. the computer screen. Apart from that, I don't think there have been any. Okay. Do you expect any? No. No, but I would like one. Just like a little surprise. Like, it's, it hasn't even got to be long. It's got to be like a little little something, something. And also, quickly, Chris, what do you think about like the intro to this show? It's so weird, isn't it? It's, it's so not... weird. I, don't, I still don't get it. <laughs> Like, I don't understand why they're all doing a dance at the beginning. It don't really yeah. make any sense. It's also a proper giveaway to like all the characters that are going to come into the series. Yeah. If they, get, yeah. There's no chance to Google it or YouTube it. Like, it's just so, like, a Peacemaker intro. Um, it's just so, like, weird. Like, everyone just get everyone just starts dancing, like, in synchronisation. And you're like, but, like, I'm just thinking, like, why are they doing this? And I'm, think, I'm hoping it plays into the season at some point because I don't get it. Cause, but everyone else on the internet loves it. But me, I'm just kind of like, I just don't understand what the point of this is. Yeah, I feel like there is a point to it. I just don't know what. Yeah. Okay. Well, that's promising anyway. Um, I think I will give it a go when it comes onto some platform that I can view it on. Yeah. Um, cool. Um, shall we talk about the Mandalorian season three? Sorry, um, the book of Boba Fett. Let, let's. Let. I'll, <laughs> I'll, I'll mute until, until, until I can chime in because I've not watched it. I'm not going to lie. You guys, yeah, I mean, you've you've not sold any episode to me, even the ones where you said it's got better. So okay, well, if you like the Mandalorian season two, then start watching this series from episode five. Yeah. Also, don't, okay. I feel like obviously people are in like the uh, on the internet, like people will hear stuff, so they'll feel like, oh yeah, okay, I'll watch this because people are saying I should watch it. But if you only like the Mandalorian and you weren't interested in a Boba Fett series. And you came into Mandalorian season three without watching this, you'd be yeah. like, "What the fuck? <laughs> What's <Yeah>. going on?" <laughs> yeah, I mean, so obviously Boba Fett comes or Boba Fett, sorry, comes back uh, in season two of the Mandalorian after having fallen into the Sarlacc pit here at the end of the original trilogy. Much like he's one of these characters that you know the Star Wars fans really liked, even though he doesn't appear that much in the in the original trilogy um but you know the kind of backstory was fleshed out a bit more in the prequel trilogy with um Django Fett uh so after his appearance in the Mandalorian season two they were like hey let's give him his own series and I was like okay I'm interested to see where they what they do with this because at the end of the Mandalorian season two Boba Fett kills Bib Fortuna and takes over what was once Jabba the Hutt's um kind of criminal empire in Mos Esper. Um, so I was like, okay, cool. And I think, Obi, you said you were interested in the kind of, like, crime, like, yeah. gang what, side of things. Yeah, what I thought this show was going to be. <laughs> yeah. And the first episode we've discussed on the pod was quite heavy on the backstory of, of like, him getting out the Sarlacc pit. And the first three episodes. Yeah, and, and, and there was a lot of 
flashbacks with like, oh, this is how he spoke to the uh, kind of got along with the Tuscan Raiders and blah blah blah. And there was very little narrative from what we saw when he killed Bob Fortuna, Bib Fortuna, sorry. Um, I mean, he goes to a few people and is like, give me a tribute, and they're like, mm, all right. And then he uh, has a little fight with a, a black Chewbacca. Um, what are they called? Wookies. Who looks kind of cool. Um, the huts are like they're kind of messing around a bit, and there's a mayor who is a bit disrespectful. But there isn't much thrust in that bit. Yeah. Um, so the but it gets to the point where the mayor has done something to annoy him, and he's like, "We need to fight." Um, and then there's a small kind of subplot about spice, which is clearly some sort of drug, um, which is very Dune esque. Um, mm. And then they're like, we need fighters. And then that's episode four. Episode five is entirely hard to do. <laughs> entirely about the Mandalorian, yeah. um, which is an indictment on the series because it was the best episode yep. up to that point. Um, focusing on, you know, the Mandalorian doing his thing after having left uh, Grogu. Um, he, you know, uh, it's got the dark saber. Um, and then, you know, someone challenges him to that. Um, you see him build his new ship. Uh, you see some old faces. And then at the end of that episode, he, he melts down this spear that I think he got from Ashoka. Yeah. Uh, and then creates it into armor for Grogu. And is like, I want to give this to Grogu. And then I was like, oh, okay. Didn't expect them to bring back Grogu, to be fair. Um, right. And- Wait, wait, wait. This isn't the latest episode of this happened. Oh, sorry, yeah. <laughs> no, that's cool, that's cool. I wasn't going to watch it, so I'm just... Spoilers this... alert. So, wait, is this just... This is basically now becoming Mandalorian Season 4, right? <laughs> yeah. Season 3, yeah. Basically. 2.5, yeah. So, this is what we mean by it gets better, because it just completely ignores Boba Fett. I mean, yeah. Boba Fett is not in Episode 5 at all. Yeah. Uh, Ming-Na Wen's Fennec Shand turns up at the last second and is like, hey, do you want some money? And he's like, I'll do it for free. Um... And he did about 30 seconds of this episode. Yeah, so... Does he even speak? I don't think so. So episode six, which is the penultimate episode of The Book of Boba Fett. um, The penultimate. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know why I stressed that part of the word. (laughs) I didn't tend to do that. Oh, God. Okay, fair enough. Um, Yeah, so the penultimate episode um, is... It starts with uh, the return of Cobb Vanth. And, and I only know that name because I'm reading it, who's the Marshal of, of Tatooine's um, Moz Pelgo. You'll recognise him. It's Timothy Oliphant. Yeah. Uh, I think he was in Series 1. Um, I think he was Episode 1 of Season 2. Oh, OK. Um, so he, he he arrives in this Pike Spice Runners, which is where we get that little subplot from. Uh, then the Mandalorian flies to uh, the forest world where Grogu and Luke are. Um, uh, which is the safest place for Grogu to be, even though the Mandalorian seems to find it very easily. Um, <laughs> he's, and sorry for the spoilers, Chris, but hopefully this will make you watch it. Um, he's greeted by R2-D2 and Ashoka, um, and oh. they're, like, they're like, oh, you know, Grogu's learning well. Maybe him seeing you will, will kind of be difficult for his training because the Jedis have to kind of eschew any uh, kind of loving relationships. Mm. Um and he's like, okay, gives her the little armour. Um, there's quite a lot of Luke in this as well. Um, mm. And the de-aging is 
really good. Yeah. Um, considering oh, there's so much focus on it. They haven't got, um, what's his face in to play Luke? No. No, it's not Sebastian Stan. Because uh, I had a rumor that he was going to do a Luke series or something, potentially. It, it, it is still Mark Hamill. They're just <laughs> spending a lot of money to, to yeah. DH him. Um, but yeah, so you see a bit of the training of Scott, uh, Luke and Grogu, and he says, you know, I want you to be the first Padawan in my academy, which obviously the events of um, The Force Awakens and, and the return of the, Je- not the, the Last Jedi. Jedi. The Last Jedi. Uh, Luke says how his academy was destroyed by, um, what's his name? Kylo, Kylo Ren. Ren. So we're kind of get, filling in some of that missing part, which is cool, and I liked that. Um, there's mention of Yoda as well. He says, Grogu, you look a bit like a guy I used to know. Uh, and then essentially, um, Luke offers Grogu a choice, either the chainmail, um, and going back to the Mandalorian or Yoda's old lightsaber and, you know, the path of the Jedi and the end mm. Grogu being like, oh, what do? um, also at the same time, the Mandalorian tries to recruit the Marshal Cobbanth. Um, but then he gets killed by a guy called Cad Bane, who mm. OBU said is in the Bad Batch. Um, He's in Clone Wars as well. Okay. So he looks kind of cool, looks a yeah. bit like an alien with big red eyes. Um, looks like a badass. And yeah, and then it's kind of like, yeah, we're going to... Then Bobber and his team are going to fight the Pikes, which, to be honest, is... Who cares? Who cares? <laughs> There's been so little development of that, that point. I, I really wonder why they bothered with... a. Uh, with this series yeah. I don't know whether they always intended it to go like this or maybe the pandemic was like ah we we can't film everything we wanted so we'll just kind of make a backdoor pilot for season three of The Mandalorian but yeah. it's it's a massive indictment on on the character on, what, 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 what could stop him from filming I know the pandemic but like I don't what, know I'm just I'm just trying to like hypothesize yeah, why I'm just I'm just curious like They've, they've got nowhere, they don't need to go abroad to do anything, so like, you know. Yeah, I don't know, I don't know, yeah, I, I, there doesn't seem to be any reason for it, but they just don't seem to have enough plot for it, and, but for two of the, for one third of the entire series so far, to have basically no Boba Fett in it, is, <laughs> is so I've, strange. I've never known a show, ever, to be like that, to have 30% of, or yeah, 30% of the show, of the season, your main character's not in it. Like, I think that's wild. That yeah. is men- like, I've never seen that before. It's crazy. If I was Tamura Morrison, who's the actor that plays Boba Fett, I would be fuming. I'd be yeah. like, you've given me my own series and I'm not really in it. And uh, there, there's very little from the point we saw at the end of The Mandalorian. Like, if you cut out all the flashbacks, which, to yeah. be honest, are not that interesting. Um <laughs> You know, how we got out of the Sardak pit was rather disappointing, in my opinion. Mm. Like, there's like 10 minutes worth of of content from yeah. from from the end of The Mandalorian to, to where he, we're at for the last episode. And I just, yeah, I mean, they should have just given us a, a little, like, Christmas special of The Mandalorian to keep us tidying over until they bring out season three, because the best episodes have been the last two yeah I um so I'm trying to think how I can split out my thoughts um so quickly I just want to say this is a bad Boba Fett show um in that obviously like we've been saying he hasn't been in the last two episodes 
the episodes that he has been in have been dull to say the least mm-hmm. um, and boring and I feel like they've done everything they can to just undermine both its legacy not that I give a shit about it but like every every time he's fighting someone he needs help getting knocked down bears like in the first episode I'm just getting waxed and then Fennec Shan had to help him the second episode maybe the third episode Black uh, Black Wookiee comes fucking him up until all, the guns, until all the guards come in like he was getting fucked up and like obviously he's known as like you know one of the best uh, what's it called uh, bounty hunters in, in, the, in the galaxy kind of thing well I assume anyway and like it's like they were going oh, doing their best to like make him seem inferior um, to everyone else like because when you think about so like before, obviously before the Mandalorian show come out if you said oh yeah what do you, who's the first one you think about when you think of a Mandalorian? You think, oh yeah, it's Boba Fett. Mm-hmm. And like now, and even towards in the show, he says, yeah, I'm not a Mandalorian. No, sorry, in in a uh, Mandalorian season two, they double down on him like not really being a true Mandalorian. In this show, he says, I'm not a bounty hunter either. So, big man, what the fuck are you? Like, you're yeah. just you're <laughs> a fucking yeah, like a really one. shit like, crime lord. <laughs> Everyone, yeah, and no, no, no one good. respects him. <laughs> Literally, no one is like it was. Embar- it's embarrassing to watch, like how little everyone respects him. Like, from the trailer... Oh, mate, the, this trailer sold me a fucking dream. Like, the trailer made me think he was going to be a proper, like, Don Corleone-type mm. character. And he is a fucking... He's bollocks, mate. <laughs> like... Yeah. yeah so that, and then another thing as well, I thought the... Uh, I don't know if it's episode three. I think it's episode three, where they have, like, the... The gang of kids from... With the mods or whatever they call them. Oh, my. Like, that episode... That, that chase. Is, and that chase scene and their bikes and the like, the Power Ranger element of it, I was just like, and I love Power Rangers, don't get me wrong, but they don't belong in fucking Star Wars. Like, they all had different coloured bikes. It was fucking stupid. And, like, the worst and slowest chase scene of all time. Oh, mate, that was, that was a low, that was, for me, that was the low point of this, of this show. Of many low points, that was, the, that was the low point. Um, but then, yeah, season, I think episode four, can't remember what happened, but I felt like it was a bit better. Um, and then, yeah, like you say, we've gone into episode five and six, and it's not Boba Fett show anymore. It's, it's about the Mandalorian. It's Mandalorian season two point five, which I'm yeah. which I'm thoroughly enjoying. I'm not gonna lie. I, yeah. I didn't love the second half of episode five because I felt that like, the montage of him making the new shit went way too long. Mm. Um, but everything, everything everything outside of that, I've really enjoyed. I like how they are connecting the dots, expanding the law. Um, there was a thing that um, the armorer said about. Back in the day, I think the person who first wielded the Darksaber was a Mandalorian and a Jedi. I'm wondering yeah. if that might lead into something, maybe Grogu or someone like that later down the line. Um, and yeah, I liked it. Like you said, I, did, I liked how they linked Grogu back into the show because I thought, I didn't think we'd see him again, to be honest with you. I thought we were going to focus on something else. Mm. Um, and I'm curious to know how that, well, I assume that he's going to become a Mandalorian or take, choose the armor and become a Mandalorian because... I don't know. I, I just don't think that... Um, I feel like if we continue on where Luke's story going, it's going to lead more down the Ben Solo, Kylo Ren type of path, which I would be up for seeing, and I wouldn't mind if they gave us a little show of that kind of thing. But also you would need somebody to act to, to co-star alongside Mark Hamill, because I don't think he's a strong enough actor to um, to carry his own show. I um, think he will appear in the Ashoka series. Yes, yeah. Because the way they le- the way they left off their conversation. Was, makes wasn't think. Ashoka the Padawan of 
she was Anakin. Yeah, she was Anakin's Padawan. So there might be something there. And yeah. there's also we we know that Hayden Christensen's returning for the. Um, Is her name Ahsoka or Ashoka? Uh, Ahsoka. Oh, sorry, I always say it wrong, don't I? Ahsoka. No, I'm curious. I thought I'd been saying it wrong all this time. I don't know so. why I'm putting a H in there. Um, there but is yeah, H in there, but it's before the S. <laughs> oh, okay. Ahsoka. Um, yeah, so Hayden Christensen's returning as Anakin for the um, Obi-Wan series, isn't he? So they yeah. might tie that in as well. Yeah. Which, oh, I wouldn't mind. I mean, he's not yeah. the strongest actor, but... Um, yeah, I'm enjoying cool. the internet interconnectivity of it. I re- actually, I really enjoyed um, them showing us Order 66 through Grogu's eyes. I thought that was really that was really cool. I thought, um, and even just seeing like being able to see like the um, the clones go mad and it not being just CGI bullshit from George Lucas. I was like, oh, these are actual real people. Oh my god, it looks so much better. Than the <laughs> Do you know that that or, Jedi yeah. in that flashback? With yeah. the ponytail, I thought that was Qui Gon Jinn. I was like, "Oh, is that going to?" I was like, "Oh, good, it's going to be Qui Gon Jinn." But no, he died. So I was like, "Yeah, no." I think that guy. Did. I think that person is was in Clone Wars. I think. But yeah, I mean, the fact that we're not talking about Boba Fett in a Boba Fett series is is, is damning. But really bad. I liked what they are doing, <laughs> even though it's it's taking away from the actual. I mean, it's kind of a piss take that they've showed the book of Boba Fett before these episodes. It really is, but um, yeah. Yeah, as well. Um, oh, sorry, go. Um, no, I, I was going to say with like Grogu, I kind of part of me doesn't really want him to come back with with Din yeah. because the fact that he's like a puppet doesn't really move that far. Like, yeah. kind of hinders a lot of the story, and he just gets picked up and carried everywhere. And yeah. I would quite like to see him like train as a Padawan. And we don't necessarily need to see the training; it could just be like during a stroke, she checks in, and he gets more powerful. Um, so yeah, I think he think that that story is is probably done, and it would kind of maybe undermine it a bit if he came back after yeah. like such a short time. Yeah, I I completely agree, and I feel like well, obviously uh, the armor told uh, told Mando that oh you need to go to the like the planet of Mandalore and look under the fucking mines or whatever to become a Mandalorian again because obviously yeah. He took off his helmet, so now they say, "Yeah, you, you're, that's fucking raw, by the way." Like, <laughs> how do how do you eat otherwise? That's a good point. I think in, in the first series, before we'd seen him take his helmet off in his Taurus face, he was taking his helmet off to eat. That's true. I think maybe in front of other people. I think it's supposed to be. I think you can take it off because obviously you can go sleep in it. I think you can take it off when you're on your ones. Okay, I think. Um, but yeah, obviously, I'm looking forward to. I'm assuming that story I'm going to lead in season three, like him going to Mandalore and. You know, finding some shit in the mines. Mandalorian will actually pick up straight away, or do you think there'll be a time jump? It's going to pick up after the events of whatever happens in uh, the next episode of Boba Fett. Because I, I'm, I'm struggling to. I know you're saying like it'd be good to have no Grogu, but I'm struggling to feel like the Mando could like keep up with itself if it didn't have Grogu in it. But I could be wrong, mm. especially if you have like, of a Fett series, which I don't know. I don't know, but maybe I'm maybe I'm misplaced. But I'm thinking maybe if they do a Mando series without Grogu, and then maybe do a time skip, and then he goes back to see Grogu just before the slaughter happens, and then maybe Grogu steals the lightsaber. Well, he's got the lightsaber. The, the, the slaughter. I think. But I think that I'm feel like I might be too far in the future. Cause, oh, really? Yeah, I'm only thinking because um, uh, I don't. I'm trying to think. How old was would Kylo? I feel like Kylo Ren was probably like what? It was thirty. Was, well, I mean, 
episode seven was thirty years after, wasn't it? So yeah, um, I think I think they've they've got enough with the whole kind of like Bo Katan and the yeah, I agree those people to to make it interesting. Um, I agree. Yeah, um, but yeah, well, the show in general is not <laughs> not great, unfortunately. Yeah, it's it's very strange, and I'm interested to see what they do with the last episode. Um, oh, quickly as well, yeah. I feel like so there's, there's rumours that... Um, so, obviously, this whole syndicate, the Pike syndicate, is all very, very wishy-washy and very, like, happened very quickly. Um, and there's, I saw uh, there's rumours that maybe, um, which I think would be interesting, maybe that the Pike aren't, like, the big bad, and they're just working for someone else and that someone else might be led by um Amelia Clark's character from Solo because at the end of that film she basically becomes like the head of Crimson Dawn or whatever the hell it's called um, yeah. so it'd be interesting if she popped her face in that you know, little cameo I think that'd be pretty yeah. cool yeah so she appears in in the uh, Star Wars and a Marvel television series she's going to be in Secret Invasion yeah um, I'm conscious that you two might not have tons of time yeah um, I have to I have to jam it all right, well, let's just quickly run through Nightmare Alley, which is uh, Guillermo del Toro's latest effort. Uh, it's described as a neo-noir psychological thriller film. Um, if you've watched the trailer, it's not really like that. Um, <laughs> <laughs> the trailer and the title present it as some sort of, like, body horror mm. uh, film, you know, with, like, Willem Dafoe's character being like, is he man, is he yeah. beast? Is and, he man or beast? I was like, okay, uh, Bradley Cooper running for a corridor with a bloodied hand, and yeah. I was like, "Ooh, this looks cool." Uh, it's not really much like that. Um, it's basically about a drifter who takes the jobs as uh, at carnivals um, and kind of gets in with with the medium and uh, her husband, who is like a mentalist. So he reads people and makes claims about them. You know, like I know that you lost someone, blah blah blah, you know that sort of thing. Darren Brown type shit. Um, and he learns his trade. Um, he kind of falls for this lady Molly, who um, you know is one of the performers. Uh, and then they decide to go off on their own um, and work hotels and and money. Uh, and he then comes across a wealthy man who um, you know he he has an interaction with, and he's like, "Oh, I want to contact my dead son." And he's like, "Okay." So he works with this psychologist to con him essentially um and then uh hit that after successfully doing that he that wealthy man introduced him to another wealthy man and it kind of gets a bit in over his head um mm. and yeah he ends up being uh one of the kind of geeks of the carnival at the end which i saw coming uh and the geek is essentially uh alcoholic who they uh is is the half man half beast because they get him to perform kind of things like eating chickens and stuff mm. um so it was, I thought, it's kind of like a film of two halves. Like, I quite liked the carnival kind of feel of it, but they didn't really go too deep into it. And, like, I feel like they had quite a lot of good actors that they just underutilised. So you've got, like, Willem Dafoe, who's always really good in anything I've seen him in, um, as, like, the, the kind of showman. And then you had Ron Perlman as, like, the strong man. And they don't really use like They just kind of end up, not being in it and then um the second half was like the whole con of it and that was interesting in itself mm. um but felt quite separate from the first part uh what did you think of it Obi? 
Um, yeah, I'm kind of in the same boat as you, to be honest. I think the trailer is completely different to what the actual film is. Like you said, it's, I, think, I thought it was going to be maybe like a thriller, horror type of vibe. It's not that at all. Then when I start watching the film, like it's very obvious that the film is all about like like uh, mind tricks and like tricking people into giving you information for um, you know his, for his gimmick basically. But yeah. it it plays. I feel like even maybe the way uh, it's uh, it's scored, it plays as if it's like a supernatural like a supernatural type of thing. And I, yeah. I don't know if maybe they were trying to play it as if it was like um, for like tension. But I never felt. I never felt tension ever um, mm. watching the film. Um, it was funny because at the start, I think the little bit before the film starts when they say um, uh, extreme violence, da, 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 you know, like, like right at the beginning. Um, yeah. And that's, I'm sure they said something about like strong violence or something like that. And I think, OK, where's that going to come in? And I think I was waiting for it like the whole time and it may be coming in the end when he punched the guy's nose off. <laughs> I thought it was yeah. Really funny. yeah. Um, but then I was thinking, like, what was the point of that? Like, you didn't need to didn't need to do that, and I just thought I don't know. I think in a different setting, in the like with a different like theme around it, I think the base story is in, is was interesting enough, but everything it was surrounded by like the carnival setting and I don't know the old timeliness of it. I just didn't really I didn't really gravitate towards it. I thought it was acted pretty pretty decently, um, and I believed uh, like Bradley Cooper's character, especially at the end when he's like gone mad basically. Mm. Um, I believed him and I thought that was a good little twist um, compared to like, the beginning of the film but yeah I didn't really care for much in the middle to be completely honest um, yeah yeah, I would have seen a film about the carnival and I would have seen a film about someone conning people but the mm. fact that they matched together didn't really work for me and it was quite long it was two and a half hours and yeah, very long. Um, you know I, st- I still felt it was underdeveloped mm. um, you know Rooney Mara's character Molly doesn't really get much to do apart from just being like the the unlucky kind of partner and mm. um yeah i mean i didn't really feel feel for bradley cooper's character at the end when he becomes the geek because no. you're like well you're a dick um yeah so there was interesting things of it but it was just felt a bit mm, i felt under undersold i've been missold ppi so uh, yeah that's that's that and then uh just query quickly the latest screen film uh is is one of these uh, legacy films where they're like, hey, do you remember that film that came out 25 years ago? Well, <laughs> we're referencing it. Um, uh, which is very Scream anyway, if you've ever seen a Scream film. They're very meta. They're very like, you know, you know what you're getting. A, a bunch of kids who are at high school and people start dying with a, yeah. and killed by a Scream mask and it's going to be one of them. Um, and inevitably, um, what's her fucking name? Neve Campbell turns up because she needs work um and yeah it was fine slasher film you know what you're getting with screen uh any last yes chris oh yeah i was i was gonna say uh, i heard good things about it and also you post did someone not post a post about asking questions on insta or did you guys do that already oh yeah it's just too many for us to um to to cover (laughs) you're joking i don't know if you're being sarcastic i'm being sarcastic um, I don't think I gave it enough time. But if you do have any questions for us in the future, you can uh, send them in to us at Instagram, where at uh, your average critics, or on Twitter as YSCPodcast17. Um, but yeah, any closing thoughts from you, Chris? Um, sorry you haven't uh, got involved too much. In the day. That's right, I haven't, watched, I haven't watched enough. I've only watched Always Sunny, but we can talk about that another time. Okay. Well, for next time, um, there's Jackass Forever, uh, which I'm 
can't imagine there's going to be too much to talk about. But Uncharted and Death on the Nile are going to be out in the next couple of weeks as well. Moon, so. Moonfall's out uh, tomorrow as well. Christ. <laughs> <laughs> Moonfall, wow. Okay. Wait, it's and got then, Samuel Tarly in it. Of course I'm going to watch it. Oh, have you seen the trailer for that film Marry Me? No. Oh my God, it looks shocking. But really? that's got him in it as well. Oh, uh, okay. Jennifer Lopez and Owen Wilson. Oh, I have seen... Oh, yeah, it looks awful. Yeah, I have seen that. Oh, oh yeah. Awful. Marry me, marry me, marry me. And on that bombshell, yeah, please uh, give us a follow on, on social media and uh, like you can find our podcast uh, on Apple, Spotify, anywhere else.